0: Welcome to the FCC Podcast. Hear all the stories, worship, and teaching from Sunday service. Want to connect with us or learn more about FCC? Visit us at FCCEtown.com. Have you ever given any thought into how someone describes you to somebody else? Maybe it's a friend of yours and you're going to go out to eat with them, and you're going out to eat with another one of their friends that you've never met, and so there's some way that they chose to describe you to that other friend that is already in motion before you ever become part of the deal. Or maybe it's the first time that you're gonna meet your boyfriend's parents and there was this moment where he described you to them, which kind of put some preconceived ideas in their head about who you were and what they could expect and kind of how things were gonna play out in all of your interactions and. And maybe that's something that you've thought about, that there's a way that somebody has described you to someone else, and if you've never thought about that before, now you always will, okay? So whenever you're getting, into, you know, meeting somebody new and there's a description that happened before you, and now you can think about that from now on and be self-conscious about it, you're welcome. You can kind of know that that's there for you. But when I was growing up, I, I played lots and lots of sports and I played all kinds of different sports and I played different sports at different times of the year. And I grew up in Florida, so there were sports going on all the time and I played as many of them as I could get to. And there was a time in my life when I was a pretty high level tennis player and, and, and that was a part of my life, but I recognize and I've come to terms with the fact that that was a long time ago. Okay, and that, that's not really who I am anymore. And yet, when I think about me, I, I still, maybe I'm not that level of athlete, but I can still play tennis and I can still play basketball and I can still golf and I do those things. And, and yet last year, someone described me to me and the description that they gave was that I'm fairly active. I don't know where fairly active fits on the scale but it seems a long way away from athletic, which is kind of where I had myself. So really the the point of all of that is that there are ways that people describe you that may be right on the money and and, and sometimes people describe you and they're a long way off, or maybe the point is don't be delusional about who you really are, but it doesn't really matter because we're not talking about me and, and we're not talking about you. We're gonna actually spend the next few weeks talking about Jesus and talking about and describing Jesus and getting a a bit of a picture on who Jesus is. And my description of Jesus has changed over the years. Now, I grew up in the church, and so kind of my first introduction to Jesus was on one of these things right here. I I don't know if these are familiar to you, but back in the 70s and 80s, this was like state-of-the-art media that was going on. I mean, high-end teaching tool called the flannel graph. And in the flannel graph world, there were these scenes that were set up and there were ways that you could be told the stories of the Bible and they would kinda come to life right there on the board. And whenever they talked about Jesus, Jesus always seemed to kinda have the same look. And Jesus usually either looked like that or Jesus looked like that. And my picture of Jesus growing up was kinda built around this. So Jesus was, was someone that i always thought of and and for years going forward always thought of as first of all um no matter whether you're thinking about where he lived and where he was born and what nationality he was the version i got of jesus was that he was amazingly caucasian okay uh and that he was long-haired bearded um usually was very clean because he wore white all the time and he had these um, these sashes, and I don't, I don't know, he was always in a blue sash or a red sash whenever Jesus was depicted And I don't know what the difference was between the sashes I don't know if like the red sash is like, that's his dress sash And so maybe it's a stage thing that when he's teaching he's in the red sash And the blue sash is just for like kicking around with the disciples I don't know what the case is on, on what the whole difference in the colors are But man, this was the picture of Jesus And that picture stuck with me. And so I I started to think about Jesus as always being a little bit stiff and always um, really clean and really tidy. And it just seemed like my, my version of Jesus was that he was a little bit cleaner, a little bit tidier, a little bit above everybody else. And to the point that as my life went on and uh, I got to be out of those kind of children's church moments and I started to think about who I was and what I was doing, I I at times thought that this version of Jesus would not want really anything to do with me. And Jesus suddenly seemed very unapproachable, this kind of flannel graph Jesus. Now maybe that makes sense to you and maybe you kind of grew up with that too, but There's some of us who didn't have that at all. And some of the descriptions that maybe you've heard about Jesus or the descriptions that some of your friends have heard about Jesus also make Jesus seem very unapproachable. Maybe because of who you are or maybe because of who you've heard he is. And then there are some things that we hear about Jesus or that our world or our culture or our society has been kinda of saying about Jesus or, or, or maybe we just kinda of pick up on who we think Jesus is because of the people who say that they're like Jesus or that they follow Jesus or they hold his name up. And man, if that's who Jesus is, we start to think, you know, if that's who he is and that's what he thinks and that's what he thinks of me, I'm not sure that I really wanna hang out with him at all anyway. But but the thing is that over the next few weeks, we're going to look at Jesus in some fresh ways and real ways that come straight out of the Bible and maybe in the process gain a new appreciation and a a new understanding of who he was and who he is. And along the way, we're, we're going to be joined with some of the TV ads that you've started to see uh, on TV that I, I'm guessing we're going to see a lot if, if a bunch of us are probably going to spend some time watching some basketball over the next week or so, hopefully more than the next week or so. And as we do that, we're going to see some ads called He Gets Us. And you've seen some of those already. There are actually a couple of them that, that were even in the Super Bowl. And, and the whole point is, of those ads is to kind of present Jesus in a way that's different than who people think Jesus is, but are actually parallel with who Jesus is from the Bible. And we don't want this to just be a Sunday thing. Okay, talking about Jesus and having conversations about who Jesus is, it shouldn't be kind of just relegated to one hour that we spend on Sunday morning. I'd love for you to invite your friends to come and sit with you and be a part of this as we talk about Jesus and as we get kind of some new perspectives on Jesus every Sunday, I'd love for you to do that. But even if that doesn't happen, I'd love for you to be able to have some conversations about who Jesus really is with people who are in your sphere of influence, with people who are part of your social universe So w- we've created some tools to help with that um, On our webpage, uh, there is a landing page and it actually is also tied in to the FCC app, and so if you've got the FCC app on your phone You can pull that out and you'll see that the very first button on that app now says, He gets us. And if you click on that, there's all kinds of resources that are there for you. Every single week, as we hit one of the new ads, uh, you'll see that ad get added uh, to the landing page. And there's conversation starters that are there for you to be involved in conversations throughout your week with people that you uh, that you meet, people that you come in contact with, and people who are part of your sphere of influence. You can show the ad to somebody and say, isn't this kind of cool? And then there's ways to start into conversations on that, and we've made that available for you. Also, there's reading plans that are there for you to have some, some devotional time and some Bible readings of your own to maybe get some new perspective on who Jesus is. And if you want to share those with your friends, you can do that as well. There's a, a book you can buy from Max Licato that's right there, Uh, on that landing page and you can see all that information and there's some extra treats that we're gonna throw on there as we get closer and closer to Easter because this is about more than just Sunday morning, right? This is about a time where we get to talk about Jesus and share Jesus with people who are around us and people that really matter to us and so we've provided these tools and we've provided these resources and as we did last series and giving homework out every week This is kind of homework that I'd love for you to participate in every single week to take a look at the tools that are available and have them kind of blend into your life beyond just Sunday morning, but maybe even blend into the lives of people that you know and just talk about who Jesus is. Well, today we're gonna start in a place that I think is a lost description of Jesus. And it's a lost description that I believe is really apparent as you read through the gospel descriptions of Jesus, even though at our first reading, it may not show up, but we have to kind of understand the context of everything that we're reading and what was going on in the times that that Jesus was on this earth and the moments that are happening in his life, but as you do, I think it becomes abundantly clear that Jesus is fun. And Jesus let his hair down, and Jesus loved having fun and and loved being in the midst of a a time of enjoyment. He enjoyed a good time. In fact, I I don't think that Jesus, don't get me wrong, I don't think that Jesus was like a party animal, but I think that every party that Jesus went to was made better by Jesus being there, and by better, I mean that he made it more fun just by being there. And, And in the Gospel of John, I think very intentionally, Right off the bat, I mean, early, early in the gospel, John wants to kind of emphasize to us that this is who Jesus is, that Jesus is fun. And it shows up in the very second chapter of John's gospel and he talks about Jesus having fun. So if you've got your Bible with you, whether it's a digital Bible or a physical Bible, I'd love for you to open with me, follow along in this. Uh, John chapter two, and we're gonna start right at the very beginning of the chapter. And this this description that we're getting from John is not this, okay? It is not stiff, flannel graph Jesus. What we're about to hear from John, John who walked with Jesus for three years, John who considered himself to be one of Jesus' best friends, the the way that John wants to start off describing Jesus to you, he wants to make sure that you get this, is with this characteristic of Jesus. And here's, here's what we read. It says this. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. and Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. And when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. This is great. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you, because Mary knew that she already had him. Okay, and so it's gonna happen Nearby stood six stone water jars and the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing each holding from 20 to 30 gallons Jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water And so they filled them to the brim and then he told them now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet And they did so and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine And he did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. And then he called the bridegroom aside and he said, everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Now this is a big story and there's a lot for me to unpack really, really quickly. So hang with me. I'm immediately confronted with an idea that I don't want to let pass by and I don't want to gloss over and I don't want to pretend that it's not there and that is that Jesus was not a prude, okay? This is not Jesus who is anywhere near this guy. He is not stiff, clean, tidy, white clothes, blue sash Jesus. When you read this story, and I know that we try and do this from time to time, especially when we're talking with kids, um, he didn't make grape juice that we're just calling wine. Okay, Jesus made wine. And not only did he make wine, he made really good wine, which means that he knew the difference between really good wine and really bad wine. And he made the good wine. Do you get what I'm saying? about Jesus, okay, so he made wine. We're not gonna gloss over that. But it's not just that he made wine that's the point of this story. It's the very fact that Jesus was there. You see, when we uh, apply stories that we read in the Bible, we, we all have this tendency to apply our culture and our settings and our experiences and our understanding to a moment like in this case, a wedding. And so we think that Jesus was at a wedding like we go to a wedding. Now, I I know that I'm a minister and and I perform weddings, but I gotta be really honest with you. Um, I don't like going to weddings. Okay, and it's really plain and simple. If you're not part of the immediate family at a wedding, um, a wedding is about as exciting as watching paint dry, okay? Just, it is, okay? And I'm sorry if your wedding was spectacular, and I'm sorry if you're in the midst of planning a wedding, and you've been at it for months, and it's gonna be awesome, and you should come to our wedding, because our wedding's gonna be great, and it's not gonna be boring, you're wrong. But when you think about our weddings, they are nothing, nothing like what weddings were like in Jesus' day, what weddings were like in the culture that Jesus was in. Because in those moments, they were anything but boring. Wedding ceremonies were ceremonies that went on for for like a week. These were week-long celebrations with raucous laughter and exuberant dancing There were multiple moments throughout the week that there were um, stomach bloating feasts that took place. Not just one, not just one little dinner thing where you had to pick between fish and and chicken and steak. We're talking about multiple feasts that took place. And what you may not know about uh, the the wedding ceremonies of the ancient world is that there were practical jokes that were part of the ceremony, that were expected to be part of things. And the practical jokes became more and more elaborate as the week stretched on. So back then, you didn't slip in a 45-minute wedding ceremony in between your kids' soccer games on a Saturday afternoon. If you were going to go to a wedding, you often had to clear your schedule for an entire week. And that's where Jesus is. Because that's who Jesus is. Jesus is in the fun. Okay, Yeah, he, he turned water into wine, which probably had a fun factor on the whole thing, but beyond that, Jesus was loving the fact that he was in this week-long celebration that was filled with jokes and meals and music and dancing and laughter. It's just part of who Jesus is. And because of the time that's involved in those kinds of ceremonies, and because of the activities that I just described that are part of those ceremonies, the people who had religious reputations in the ancient world usually steered clear of those events. It's why the group called the Pharisees, and if you don't know who the Pharisees were, they were this religious, judgmental people group that really didn't like Jesus very much. And they looked down their nose at Jesus for even being at an event like this. But it didn't stop Jesus. Because Jesus loved joy. And Jesus loved fun. And and he found pleasure and fulfillment and, and delight in a moment where people were just enjoying life. And he wanted to be in on that. A number of chapters later, John, uh, in his gospel, actually quotes Jesus and and says that Jesus told people, look, part of the reason that I came here was so that those who would obey me, that I could make their joy complete. And this is basically a command that Jesus is giving to us to go and have fun, to find joy in this life. That's not flannel graph Jesus. That's the real Jesus. And Jesus was not only fun in that he was in the fun, there were moments when Jesus would make the fun. And, and, and there's all kinds of places in the gospels that show Jesus making fun, and, and, and one of the moments may not seem like it was all that fun. But there's a moment in the life of Levi the tax collector, who, who we also know as Matthew, Matthew was a follower of Jesus. See, he, he'd just recently become a follower of Jesus, and the first thing that he thought to do was throw a banquet. And he throws a banquet where Jesus is gonna be the centerpiece, and Jesus is gonna be the, the guy that is there that everybody kind of gets to see and gets to meet because, and this tells us a little bit about Jesus too, Matthew had been around Jesus enough that he knew that his friends, if they would just get near Jesus, would love hanging out with this guy because Jesus was enjoyable to be with. And so Matthew throws this party where Jesus is at the center of everything. He's the guest of honor, and there's all the disciples who are there, and there's all the the, the, uh, friends of Matthew who are tax collectors who are there too. And every party has that moment that everybody's gonna talk about the next day at the water cooler. And if you're waiting for that moment to happen in this particular party, it happens in Luke chapter five, verse 30. And we're told in that moment that while the party was going on, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect, okay, so these are the people who continually looked down their nose at Jesus, they complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? They were upset with Jesus. They were upset with Jesus because Jesus kind of held himself up as a religious leader and and a teacher and a rabbi, which was kind of like them, and they didn't like that they had to associate with him, and yet he was associating with these sinner-type people, with these people who are really, really messy. And they're kind of making it uncomfortable, and it is a tense moment. And then Jesus makes it fun. Now, the the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are not we have to understand the setting. They are not going to go into Matthew's house. They know that Matthew's a tax collector and they know that they don't wanna be near a tax collector and that they, 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 they regard them as unclean and to the point that they're not even gonna be in the same atmosphere as this tax collector. So there's no way that these Pharisees and the, and the teachers of the law are gonna go into Matthew's house. They're not even going to go on Matthew's property. So they are standing outside maybe of the the front gate, and they are screaming, perhaps at the disciples who are on the front porch having conversations with Matthew's friends, they are screaming this question that is maybe meant for Jesus, but is loud enough for everyone to hear, including the very people that they are degrading, the tax collectors and sinners, that they're making a point of and that they're kind of highlighting They're saying it loud enough to make the whole moment judgmental and the whole moment uncomfortable and the whole moment ugly. We've been in situations like this. In our culture, there are plenty of moments where some religious people, church people, people who claim to be followers of Jesus become very judgmental and very intentionally hurtful to the people that are around them. This is the moment that's happening as they're yelling from outside of Matthew's property. But in that moment, Jesus doesn't decide to leave the party that he's in and step out of his role of just pretending to get along with these folks so that he can step into the more comfortable role of the religious people that he has more connection to and have a private conversation with them away from everyone that's less offensive and less hurtful and just kind of explain the situation to them and move forward. Jesus doesn't do that at all. And when I I read this, I think about Jesus who's still inside the house and never leaves the party I picture him kind of gathered around one of the card tables because they've had to put out extra card tables for people to have a place to sit. And he's sitting there with maybe five or six of Matthew's friends just involved in a conversation. And he starts to hear some noise from outside. And then he realizes that the noise is a question that's being posed. And he leans back in his folding chair until he can kind of catch the eye through the open door of the people that are out at the front gate. And he answers them. And he says this, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And he says this with his arms wrapped around Matthew's friends that are right there with him, who have now built up enough of a relationship that he can talk, he has the right to talk to them and talk about them in this way and they're perfectly comfortable with it. And they're excited that someone would care about them this way. They're excited that someone would would be interested in them and and would want to bring them along and help them understand some other things. They're excited about this new friendship that they have. And what we read in uh, Luke's gospel is that that's the end of the conversation. And the needle drops back onto the record player and the party continues. And that's what everybody talked about at the tax collector's booth the next day. How Jesus took this really messy, ugly, uncomfortable situation and he shut it down and he made it fun. Jesus was in the fun. Jesus also would make the fun, but what we also tend to miss when we're just kinda reading through the Bible or we hear someone read through the Bible and, and we, we hear about Jesus' words, especially when we've got our version of flannel graph Jesus in our head when we're reading these stories, what we miss sometimes is that Jesus teaches with fun. Jesus was a great storyteller. He, he told stories and parables with these really memorable characters and. And yet the stories that he told, he liked to have twists at the end, and and he liked to have surprising endings. Like the story of the prodigal son. He tells the story of the son who asks for his inheritance early. And when he gets all the money for his inheritance, he leaves home never to look back again, and he just goes off into the world to do his own thing and forget about his family and forget where he came from. And then he goes off and he squanders all of his money on wild living. And we don't know how long it takes him to do that, but he finally gets to a place where he's bankrupt. He's got no money. He's got to get a job just to survive. There's not any great jobs out there for a a spoiled millionaire's son. And so he finds a job feeding pigs. And he's so just down and out that he comes to a point where the, the food that he's feeding the pigs starts to look good to him. And he decides that it would be better for him to go all the way back home and just come crawling back and simply be a servant in his own house. And so he heads back home practicing his speech for his dad. And then Jesus does something that we weren't expecting. The whole time he's given us all these details about the son and all of this life of the son and we've been following the son the whole time but the story that Jesus was telling was not a story about the son It was a story about the father. And when the son who had disrespected him his whole life came home, it's a story of a father who would run into the yard and throw his arms around his son and forgive his son and kiss his son and throw a party for his son. Because his son who was lost is found, and his son, who was dead, is alive again. And then Jesus goes on to explain that that's who God is to us. That we have a Father who loves us. We have a Father who forgives us. We have a Father who, no matter what we've done, would come running and throw his arms around us right now. Those are the kinds of stories that Jesus told. Jesus was also... Someone who, who loved a little exaggeration and a little irony and also a little sarcasm. You may not find it all that funny now because we've heard it so many times before, but there was a, a famous story of Jesus in a conversation he had with Simon and Andrew. These were two guys who were fishermen. And Jesus came across them as they're throwing their nets out into the water to catch fish. And, and as he meets them on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, Jesus says, come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. Now, we don't even pay attention to that phrase anymore because we've heard it so often. We've heard fishers of men before, and so it doesn't even register with us. But when Jesus is talking to these guys who are throwing nets into the water, and as that net's about ready to hit the the water and make that splat sound before it goes down to start catching this big load of fish, Jesus says, hey, if you'll follow me, I'm going to help you catch people. And Simon and Andrew would have turned around with just a little bit of a smirk on their face, like, I can't believe that you just said such a ridiculous phrase. And it was so ridiculous that they dropped everything. And they followed after Jesus. And Jesus had no problem repeatedly being sarcastic to the religious leaders of his day when they chose to confront him about his teaching. Jesus didn't really go out and try and attack them, but if they came at him, he was ready. And whenever they tried to attack Jesus, he would always kind of point out their own hypocrisy in the way that they lived or the things that they said. He he called them whitewashed tombs, which they very quickly understood meant that they had all this pretty paint on the outside of themselves that made themselves look really clean and perfect, but on the inside, they were rotting away It was Jesus who said to these same religious leaders, you guys are blind guides. He said this, you strain out a gnat, but you swallow a camel. Now these are overly religious people, these these Pharisees. And what he's describing is that these are guys who would carefully strain every drop of water that they would taste. And, and put it through some type of, of a little strainer so that even a gnat wouldn't make it through. And there would never be anything remotely unclean in what they would drink. And all the while, they have this big, hairy hump of a camel in their mouth that they're swishing around. There's a moment where Jesus said, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? Okay, so the picture that Jesus is painting here is that there's somebody who's digging around, making a really big scene about getting a little piece of sawdust out of somebody's eye, and the person who's doing it has a two by four coming out of their eye socket, okay? This is a far side cartoon that Jesus is drawing for us. Larson would have loved this stuff. Jesus had nicknames for all of his disciples. And Jesus loved the lightness and the laughter of children. And maybe it's the greatest mark of just how fun Jesus was and is, that while he was right in the middle of kind of sharing his mission and, and right in the middle of his whole purpose for being here and explaining all of that to everyone, we have a moment like this one happen. was one day that some parents brought their little children to Jesus so that he could touch and bless them. But when the disciples saw this, they, they scolded the parents for bothering him. As that took place, there was a moment where, where Jesus just couldn't take it anymore. and He called for the, the children to come and he said to his disciples, let the children come to me. Don't stop them. For the kingdom of God belongs to those who are like these children. He wanted the laughter, he wanted the noise, he wanted the fun to be all around him and that's who he wants us to be as well. And Jesus is fun. And Jesus wanted us to be fun too. He didn't want us to grow up and become these really serious, never finding joy in life kinds of people. He wasn't looking for followers who would be these really stiff versions of him. He was looking for followers who would actually follow him and be like him. It's not like Jesus used to be fun and now he's not fun anymore. Jesus is fun. And he liked to be in the fun. And Jesus makes the fun and Jesus taught with fun. He's not stiff. He's not stodgy. He's... He's not judgmental even though he's the only one who would have the right to be judgmental. And he wants you to know the lightness that he offers. He wants you to know that fun and to feel that fun in your life, in the midst of what's going on in your life, whether it's relationship stuff or financial stuff or it's school stuff or it's work stuff and all of that stuff that just bears down on us and wears us out. Jesus wants to be in our lives and bring lightness to our lives. He said to us, come to me, all of you who are worn out by life, All of you who are beat down, come my way, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He loves you. And he gets you. And he did everything that he possibly could to lighten the load for you and to pave the way for you to enjoy his joy. And if the version of Jesus that maybe you've had in your mind or that creeps into your mind every so often is a very kind of above it all Jesus who's a little bit better, a little bit cleaner, a little bit tidier, and a little bit unapproachable. That's not who Jesus has ever been. Jesus is fun. And Jesus wants to lighten the burden of your life as well but it's still your choice. He does get you. He does know you. He understands exactly who you are, and he wants to throw his arms around you in the midst of whatever is going on in your life right now. But the choice is yours. Let me pray for us right now. Heavenly Father, God, we we thank you for Sending Jesus to us so that we could be taught so many different things so that we could understand who you are so that we could Understand grace and mercy and have forgiveness brought our way in the midst of something that we could never solve for ourselves We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus and we thank you that that sacrifice has brought us back into a relationship with you and and that there is a chance for us to 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 know your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness, for us to be like that prodigal son that comes home and and have you just wrap your arms around us and to love us and to forgive us and to even stop us in the middle of our apology and say, enough, let's throw a party, you're home. God, we love all of what Jesus has done for us, but would you also help us to understand who he is and understand just how much he wants to lighten the load for us. And he wants us to smile, and he wants us to laugh, and he wants us to find his joy, even in this life that we're living. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he has done for us and all that he is. Would you help us to understand who he is, and that he gets exactly who we are. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.